So here's the deal. We got about 30 something minutes here, and uh, it looks like. Whoa. Wasn't me. Yeah, must be the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it uh, looks like we're having a, we're going to get to baptize Brandon Dawkins today. So that's pretty sweet, man. It's about time, dude. About time. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. Real quick, so we're walking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all right? Like, we taught some stuff on this the first sermon, and so I'm going to kind of back up for just like three minutes. If I lose you, I'm sorry, um, but I would encourage you just maybe to go back and watch it. In fact, let me just kind of pray for that, all right? Because this is kind of, this is difficult to do to kind of just pick up where we left off and keep moving, um, because we've lost some context for some of you guys that missed out this morning. We're only trying this for three weeks, like, because I just feel like it's wrong to um, teach 30 minutes on the Holy Spirit for three weeks and be done. And so knowing that I got 30-minute blocks three times a day, um, that, gives me, that gives us three, four, five, six hours through this course of this, as opposed to doing it for 30 minutes. Does it make sense to teach the same thing over and over? And so I just don't think it's fair to the Lord to do that. Um, I know it screws everything up, but here's the deal. We screwed up a lot of stuff for him. So fair? Yeah. All right, and so, man, let me just pray for you guys if that's cool. Lord, I just praise your name for the men and women in this room. Lord, I would, I would ask you in the name of your son, like, to honor their souls today. Like, as they walked in the door that, um, and may have missed some context for this, that, Father, that you would make it clear to them. Like, it would just begin to continue just to work in their, in their lives. Like, like they would, it would be like they didn't even miss. And even if they did, Father, that they would be able to pick up where we took off. And, um, man, that you would stir in their souls, maybe to go back and watch. But, Lord, just, just honor them. Like honor their, 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 their willingness to get up out of church, get up this morning and come to be in part of the house of the worship with you this morning. Like, Lord, just honor them. Uh, man, draw their hearts even closer to you. Um, and Father, just praise your name for who you are. And everyone in this house said, amen, amen. So listen, so first service, we kind of talked about a couple things before I write something on the board. Like, here's the deal, like what I know. Like, there are some aspects of the Spirit that are super powerful, all right, and so just to kind of give you an, an idea of this, this past week I get an email from a guy, I call him, he's from Washington, D.C., he was visiting us last Sunday, and he's convinced, he's 35 years old, convinced through a series of events that the Lord has asked him to come to work here in Kansas City, so he's going to be a part of New City Church, all right? And so, like, when you listen to his story, like, there are serious breadcrumbs that the Lord is moving him this way, Right? Now, when he walks in the door, because he was at a wedding last week, he just showed up, he was in Kansas City for a wedding, decided to come to New City Church, and the Lord has called him to move here. Now, I'm asking you, like, who did that in him? The Spirit Spirit of the living God. Through his people, right? Like, I don't deserve any credit for that. The band doesn't deserve credit for that. That the unity of the Spirit deserves credit for that, right? And so, we'll see what happens with that. But at the end of the day, man, it's the unity that draws people to Christ, it's them watching us going, man, those people are different, all right? Like, they understand something different, even though we disagree in election year. Like, there's still unity among the body in such a way that the election doesn't screw us up, all right? Like, it just, it just makes sense. And so when the world sees us acting this way because we believe that the Lord is in charge of all things, it should draw them to us, right? And it shouldn't draw everyone, there are some that it shouldn't draw. Like the word's clear. It's like, man, here's the deal. Like this word, like for those who have eternity in them, like it's water. But to those who don't, it's foolishness. And so there will be people in our lives that this word and we are foolish to. Like it's not like the whole world's going to come, even though the Lord wants them to, right? Like they're going to look at us and go, you're a fool. But to those who aren't, 
the Word of God and you are like a fresh spring to them. Yeah? And so we walk in this, and I'm like, man, so here, here becomes the question of the day. Is that when I came to Christ, why are there so many denominations? Like if there's supposed to be such unity... All right, Acts 2, Acts 4, Ephesians 4, like the, 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 the manifestation of the Spirit is that there's unity in God's people. And so if that's true, then why are there so many denominations? Like why can we not get along? And so a man kind of drew this out. I'm going to show you something real fast, right? There's a guy named John Wesley. Some people from the Church of God Holiness know this guy well. And in fact... Um, Jason is here. Jason, we've got to pray for you, bro. So if you guys take a look at Jason, he's got red hair. Can't miss him. He is a, um, this is his last, last day in the States because he's headed to China to be a missionary. Right? Yeah. And so without um, embarrassing you or anything, will you guys, if you're comfortable with laying a hand towards him, Jesus, I would ask in the name of your son that his ministry be fruitful. Lord, that you would protect him and his wife and their beautiful kids. And that, Lord, that wherever you go, that people would be drawn to them. That the sweet smell of Christ would be all over them. And that, Lord, that where they travel, man, people will become disciples who will make more. Lord, I praise your name for his investment in us in this church, for investment in people, specific people at the college. Lord, I would ask you to make his hands holy Keep him fruitful. Keep his marriage strong. Let his children grow up to love you with all of their heart, soul, and mind and to love your people. Praise your name that he's raised his money to head that way. Praise your name that we've been able to be a part of that. Lord, do what you do best. And everyone in this house said, Amen. Amen. And so we talk through, again, like, why is there so much disunity in the church? Like, how is it that people don't get along? How is it that we have all these split denominations? All right? And so there was a quick picture I just want to show you before we get going into where we're going today, is that this is the timeline of your life. All right? This first step marks out you being born. Okay? This second step, technically, all right, is a word we use called born again. I think it's a fair word because it's used in John chapter 3. All right. Now, if you're to read John chapter 3, here's what it says about you. Every man, if they want to see the kingdom of heaven, must be born again. Not if, not maybe, not in case, but you must be born again. It basically means you start over. It means that you get off the throne and put Jesus back on it the way that it was meant to be. It's like when that happens for you, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life. Like clear scripture, like you begin to walk in another world. You become a citizen of another kingdom, all right? And so without speaking more into that, as your life progresses through here, there are those who say there's another peace happening. Some people call it the second work. Some people call it the second piece of grace. And in fact, depending on what denomination you grew up in, you have a different word for it, all right? But what this second work of grace happens in your life, the second thing that happens is like a major shift in you to where you no longer are, at, are in control of your life. Like you're full on a follower of Christ. Like you, you want to run the other direction from things that hinder you. Like the, it, it's described as this, this power that comes on top of you and allows you to minister to other people. Like you quit screwing around, basically. That's how I would put it. 
Like you really begin to take your faith seriously. All right? Now, we're going to talk more about this, but I want to bring you up to the challenges of what this causes in people's life. All right? So there are some of you in this room who are like, dude, this has happened to me. All right? Like, I, I know some of your stories, and you're like, man, I, I know exactly when this, where I, can't, where I quit screwing around with my faith and really just became powerful for the Lord. All right? There are others in you that are on this side where this thing becomes detrimental for you. Like, you begin to look at this as something that you need to achieve because it's the way you're made, and it becomes idol worship for you. Does this make sense? And then we take it even a step further because we're screwed up people, right? Sometimes when this is accompanied with gifts by the Spirit, we end up having what we call the haves and the have-nots. All right? This is what I've walked with in my own personal life with people who are very well-meaning in my life but have come to me and said, hey, you're missing something, right? And so this can be detrimental. Now, this is a quick picture. Like, if you missed the first service, you probably need to go hear the whole piece of this, all right? Because some of you are going, ah, this doesn't make any sense, or, hey, he's stepping on toes. So, but we walk through this scripturally. Like, we just lay the foundation of this scripturally, all right? And so what I want to do is just kind of build on top of this. The reason we have haves and have-nots is that's why there's splits in churches. That's why we have entire denominations of people who have and entire denominations of people who may have not. All right? And so we walk through what the Lord says about this. Like we talked about what Scripture says about this. Because there's truth in all of it. And there is a little disease in all of it. All right? And so what I want to do is I want to build on this. Like I want to begin to talk about right now this line being removed from your life. I want to erase having haves and have nots. And I want to walk through with you what happens between here and here. All right? If we're going to use big terms, we're going to call this man, we're going to call this word justification. All right? Justification means Jesus has come into your life and saved your soul. Like there is no condemnation for you anymore. And so if you walked in the door today, man, and you're like, Chris, I I don't know where I'm at, then I would say to you, listen in. Because there's no escaping this. John 3 is clear that every man must be born again. And when you do, you walk in a new kind of freedom. And I will tell you that if you're still on this side, then I mean, I got to really ask you how your life is doing. Like, just be honest, because I know it's not going that well for you. Yeah? Okay? This last word, it's another word for death, but we call it glorification. Or I say we, those that, those that be, depending on what denomination you grew up, we call it glorification. Now, I want to talk to you what happens between justification and glorification. I want to talk to you about the minute you put Christ on, right? What happens to you? Because here's the thing that we teach in the Western church is that, man, come to Christ, feel his grace, but then there's never lordship. And so then you start to walk out your life. It gets difficult for you. And you're like, hey, I thought you said come to Jesus and I would be fine. Well, here's the deal. Probably somebody did say that because they're counting numbers. But there's a whole big process the minute you put Christ on. A whole process to your life of you constantly, what we call dying out. All right? And so I'm going to erase this for just a second. We're going to come back to it. And we're going to talk about what your role is in the story of God's gospel for your life. I'm going to put two scriptures up on the screen. One's going to be Ephesians 1.13. The second one's going to be 2 Thessalonians 2.13. I don't normally like to teach from just one scripture because I believe you can miss context. But I think it's going to be okay this time. All right? So... If we can stick up there, Ephesians 1, verse 13. If you got your Bibles, I'll just read it to you. All right? 
Ephesians 1, verse 13. It says, and you. All right? Who's you? You. Anyone who's put Jesus on. All right? If this line hasn't happened to you, this is not you. Like, you don't get this. All right? Just being honest with you. Out of a heart that cares for your soul. But it says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. All right? So let's put the other verse up there, if that's okay. Can we go ahead and stick 2 Thessalonians up there? I want you to look for the same thing. I want you to look for the same words, okay? It says, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 13, it says, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. All right? Now, we could preach about this text forever. We talked about last week how Jesus was the first fruits, like he celebrated Passover on the first fruits. He was the first fruits out of the grave. That's what they're talking about. They're like, you've been included in this. And it says, you were included in this when you did what? When you believed. That's exactly right. All right? Flip over back to Ephesians 1. It says, and you are also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. All right. So your part here is to believe, right? That's your part. So here's my play with you. I'm going to put this little on, this little box on the ground here. I'm going to draw this out for you. All right. And if I'm taking those two verses, here's what we're going to say. It says that you, when you hear the message of the gospel, then you believe, all right? Or when you've heard the message of the gospel, you respond. That's how this thing works. When I heard the message of the gospel, I responded. When you've heard the message of the gospel, you may or may not have responded. So here's the story. It says, when you hear God's voice, right, then, and you respond, Lots of cool things happen for you, all right? Now, the opposite of those two words is not responding, all right, and not hearing God's voice. Can you agree with me on that? All right. So let's just build this quadrant out. I'm going to let you help me. Feel free to speak into this with me, all right? Is that fair? Like, throw words out. Because the beauty of this allows you to understand who you are and where you're at based upon the adjective of how you describe yourself. They're always powerful squares, all right? So in your life, like even this morning, like when you hear the voice of the Lord, but you choose not to respond in any of it, like it doesn't matter. Like if he's asked you to go get somebody a cup of water, or if he's asked you to pray for somebody, if he's asked you to openly confess sin, or if he's asked you to get baptized, like whatever it is, and you choose not to, give me an adjective that describes that. Oh, yeah. Guilt. Disobedience. Hard heart. What did somebody else just say? Denial. Rebellion. 
Here's one I like to write. Excuses. This is Chris. I can always make an excuse. And so if any of those words describe you for any kind of excess in your life, it's very possible that you've heard the voice of the Lord and chose not to do anything with it. Right? Now, let's do this one. You don't hear God's voice at all. You're not even listening. And you don't respond because you can't hear anyway. What describes this? Yeah. Man, then we're good. Blind. Lost. Hollow. Yeah. Self-centered. Who said alone? Alone. That's a good one. Empty. Right? Man, here's the deal. None of these are shaped up to be good boxes to be living in. Right? We're hard enough on ourselves already. Like the shepherd in me hears these words, and man, it breaks my soul. Right? Now, let's talk about these on this side. Let's just say that you don't hear God's voice, but you're doing, but you're responding. Deceived. <laughs> man, that's a great one. Deceived. You're drifting. What's that? Gotcha. All right. Deceived. Man, here's how this works in my life, right? Because this is, like for me, like this is religion. I grew up, I grew up like this. Like always just trying to do it as best as I could, but never hearing the voice of the Lord. Like never knowing the why of why I'm doing it. And so I use this word, I call it white knuckle. Like I'm trying to white knuckle my faith. Like I'm, I'm fighting for it. But here's, here's another word. Like this is really religion. Man, it's, it's you responding without knowing what God's even asked. Tradition. There's another good one. Right? Oh, man. Yeah. There's a good one, too. There's a good one. And so let's, let's walk in this, right? Because we're, we're using the scriptures here. We're like, you know, we're using 2 Thessalonians here, right? And we're using Ephesians. And it says that great things happen to us when we hear it and then we believe, like we walk in it, right? So what, what happens? What happens when you hear the voice of the Lord and you respond? Man, fruitful, forgiveness, freedom, Growth, kingdom, peace, joy, right? Hope, like all the blessings in heaven, Christ-like, formed, discipled, right? This is the heartbeat of discipleship. It's to hear the voice of the Lord and respond. The danger with you coming every Sunday and hearing somebody who's been listening to the Lord is that you tend to slack off and not listen to him yourself. And so sometimes I feel like what I do here can hurt you if I'm not pushing you into you sitting with the Lord. And what happens in your life is you're like, man, I can sit with the Lord. He'll teach me some cool things. And I got nowhere to share this. And I would say that if you pick somebody to walk with, you always do. Like if you pick somebody to walk with, you always have something to share with what the Lord is doing in your soul. And here's, I'm going to go even further with this because I think this is a great picture of pursuit of holiness in the, in the honor of Jason being here. It's like, 
Do you remember the text when the Lord says, listen, he's, he's able to do infinitely more than you can do or imagine with yourself, right? And so here's kind of how it works. It's like, it's like, it's not linear like this. It's more like this. It's like you, you hear his voice, right? And then he does infinitely more than you can imagine. And then you come back and you hear his voice again and you, he does immensely more than you can imagine. And then you hear his voice again. He does infinitely more than you can imagine. And then you hear his voice again. He does infinitely more than you can imagine. And it continues on. It never stops. And you're constantly being formed into the image of who Jesus has made you to be. Does this make sense? And so if this thing's not playing out in your life because you think it doesn't matter, I'm here to tell you it matters. Like it fully matters. You know why? Because Jesus told us that the greatest commandment is to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind and to love his people. And you cannot love his people and train them up in the ways of the Lord if this isn't playing out in you. Because your conscience won't let you. You're like, well, I'm not walking, so how do I think I can walk with this guy? But the other option is, man, I I am walking. And the Lord says that he's enough. And so I'm just going to pick this guy up and I'm going to do my best with him. Like, that's how it works, right? And so now, you got this in your pocket? Now let's go back to our line, all right? Some people will say that if you read those texts, there's always a handshake between you and the Father, between you and the Spirit. Like you choose to shake His hand. So let me give you an example. Like if your spouse is treating you horribly, but Scripture's like, man, you love him or her regardless. That's what it says. Especially if you're the man in the room. Like if your spouse is treating you horribly, Scripture's clear about this. It's like, man, you love her like Christ loved the church. And so you say, okay, man, here's the deal. I'm going to try that. Like, I'm just going to try. And I promise you, you watch him do immeasurably more than what you could imagine. Just try it. And this is handshaking with the Spirit. The person at work who drives you insane. The nudge to pray for somebody. The nudge to get up and go to church. The nudge to disciple. Like, all of that comes into a handshake with the Lord. And so let me, let me just kind of bring this back out for you for just a little bit. All right? So instead of us drawing lines here, here's the thing. All right? Here's where you're born again. Hear me well. Man, if you're here and you have never put Christ on, like you've never got off the throne, man, I don't know what to tell you except for why are you doing that? Like why do you continue to walk that way? It's because there's not enough evidence for Christ in your life? Man, if I can sit here and tell you, there are many men and women who have put Christ on and will tell you that it's the best thing they've ever done in their life. It is the only place you find freedom. It is the only place you find your life. Yeah? Yeah. And so the the greats would say this. They're like, if you're going to use this line, there's a piece in here, from here to here, that they define what we call Dying out. I just wanted to find that for you. Dying out means you still continue to screw around with the world. All right? Like from the moment, like I'm talking to people now who've been born again, like this whole phase of your life is what we call dying out. Like you still see things that look like they're temptations, look like they're going to be fun, and you haven't yet been burned enough by them yet. And so you want enough of Jesus and you want enough of the world to keep you happy. 
And the Lord will not let you stay there. And the quicker you move, the quicker you're going to find your peace and your hope and your joy. But this comes for everybody. Like everyone in this room has a season where they've got to die out. Like Christ continues to form them into who they've been. Christ continues to form you into who you've been. And so if you're in that season, can I just encourage you? Shake hands. Like just keep shaking hands with the Spirit. All right? And if you look at this picture and you're like, man, I'm striving to get to this line, remove it. I think it can be bad for you because it becomes something you're trying to get to. I have watched good, good friends, man, say, dude, that confuses me all along. There is a place that this is accurate. But let me show you a better picture of how it works. When Jesus came, what was his first words? Anybody know? You can read them in Mark. Like the first thing he says, he says, change your mind. The kingdom is near, right? Repent and believe the good news. And all of that, like his first words there, that was freedom. He was ringing the freedom out for everybody. He's like, listen, the kingdom's not right here yet. It's coming. But right now, it's so close to you that you can touch it. He says, the question for you is like, will you change your mind and walk in it? And so what we teach here at New City Church is like on this line of your life, between now and the time that you die, is a constant interruption of heaven breaking into your soul. Like even now, like heaven is trying to break into your soul. It's all the time. We just don't have the eyes to see it. And so Jesus comes in and he's like, listen, change your mind. Like walk into this moment because heaven is so close you can touch it. And so in this, he's like, here, change your mind and believe the truth. Because the truth will what? Set you free. So instead of your line thinking like you're linear, think of yourself as like letting the kingdom always break into you. Like the Spirit of God is active and He's moving all the time. He doesn't just show up here and there. Like He's with you constantly, moving in your soul. And sometimes the things that He's asking you to change your mind about are little bitty. Like they're simple. You know, like one simple one for me is like, hey, no more rated R movies. Like, like how can I be free? Right? Like if there's women on the screen that have scantily clad clothes on, when I'm supposed to be loving my wife, like that was an easy one for me. Much more difficult. Like alcohol. Maybe. Like constantly changing your mind. And so sometimes these things are little small things. And sometimes they are massive craters that take you a year to get over. I was sharing in the first service, man, like I've got these massive moments in my life in 2007. I've got another massive moment in my life, 2014. And I've got a lot of little bitty ones in between here where the Lord is constantly forming into him. Most of the time, there's pain associated with these things. And so here's what I will tell you. Like if you, wanna, if you just want to live your life, like you're just going to go straight across the line until you get to heaven, right? Until you get glorified. Man, and there's never a handshake between you and the Spirit. What do you think Jesus wants to say to you? Like, man, like what, do you want, what does he want to speak into your soul? 
The other side of that, it's like, man, like when you've tasted him, like when you know how good he is, you know what you want him to say to your soul. You're like, man, I tried. Like every opportunity, because you're a good father, because you are good and better than any father that I'll ever know, every time, man, if you push on me hard enough, Lord, let me say yes right back to you. Like, let me just say yes to this moment. That's all you're doing is agreeing that the Lord is good and that what he says is good for you. What's the alternative? You know what's good for yourself. And I would say to you, how well has that worked out for you? Yeah? How well has that worked out for you? And so in our push here for the theology of the Holy Spirit, here's where I want to land the plane with you. Your life matters. Your walk with the Lord matters. Like we've left some things to the side because we, quit using, we want to quit using holy terms. But this whole thing I'm talking to you is about sanctification through the work of the Spirit. Because He wants to form you. Why? Because people need you. Like people need you. Like there's somebody out there who's screwed up way more than you are. And if you give them five minutes of your time as you're walking in this pursuit, chances are they're going to start walking with you. And then what happens? I don't know. But this is why it matters. Your life is more than Sunday morning. It's way more. And if you stay long with us long enough, man, we'll keep pushing you into that. Because if we don't, then all we're saying is that we love us more than you. And that can never be the case. You matter, you shake hands with the Spirit, and then you grow up. Hear the voice. Yeah? Are we good? Are we okay? All right. This makes sense? Somewhat? All right. Does Jesus love you? Yeah. Is Chris mean to you? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And so here's the thing. So, so next week, right, we're going to talk just a little bit more, all right, about staying unified. We're going to talk about how we speak in tongues, all right? Here's the thing. You're like, Chris, that's freaky. Here's the deal. I know. You know, I, I don't have it. My wife doesn't have it, but Scripture clearly teaches it. And so growing up, like one reason this is so important for me is because I bleed unity in the body. Like, here's a quick story for you. The minute that I come to Christ, like about a month later, I walk into a church that looks just like this. Like it's on the verge of explosion. And in 18 months, it splits. And then I start looking around going, man, like there's... there's all these different denominations of people that believe all these different things. Like somebody explained to me how the spirit is keeping unity in the body. Like somebody explained that to me. And I'm like, man, here's the deal. We're not above any of those places. But what if we worked for it? Like what if we worked for it? Like what if we just simply worked for it? Because the truth of the story is this line, right, of the haves and have nots, it all depends on what religion you grew up. So some people will call this word full salvation. Some people will call it sanctification. 
Some people will call it whole sanctification. Some people will call it baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people will call it, if you're Baptist, I recommitted. Right? Like it's got a thousand names. But if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which I'm going to because I think it's important for us before we finish here. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what it says to us. And this is where we'll finish. It says, now to each one of the manifest, now to each one, all right, who's the one? Believers, right? It says, to each one, those of us who have put on Christ. So anywhere on this side of the line. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Jesus. For we were all. Who was we? Everybody on this side of the line. For we were all baptized by one spirit. Whether Jews, Gentiles, slaves, free, black, white, skinny, overweight, attractive, non-attractive, smelly, smell good. All of us were given the same spirit to drink. Amen? Amen. All right. Lord, you are good. Praise your name. Father, I hope I didn't screw anything up today. Lord, if I did, I hope that you protected them from me. Lord, I would ask in the name of Jesus that if there's anyone here who hasn't put you on, that they would quit messing around. Lord, I would ask in the name of your Son that are those of us that are in the dying out phase, Lord, that you would move it faster. Lord, I would ask if there's those of us in this room who have moved past the dying out, who have had some severe pain in our lives that have caused you to become even more of our Lord, then Lord, that you would not ever let us walk in a way of the haves and the have-nots. That there would be no gift that would separate us from one another. That, Father, that we would learn well that we are all part of the same Spirit. We are all part of the same resurrection. We're all part of the same power that rose you from the dead. Like we're just all a part of the same thing. And so, Lord, don't ever let us walk in disunity. Father, let us walk out our differences. Let those be fine. But, Father, let us stay united under your one spirit. Thank you for this baptism that we have this morning. Thank you for the many that will get baptized. Lord, I praise your name for the men and women who stay for two services. Lord, I would ask to continue just to be a vessel for you to make disciples who can make more. 
Lord, I would ask in the name of your son to continue to send hungry people here, like hungry for your word. Like I would ask you to send people here who are sick of living the way they've been living, that would come here and see something fresh. Lord, I would ask in the name of your son, that boy that's living in Washington, D.C., that you are clear with him, that this is what you want him to do. Lord, I would ask in the name of your son that you would continue to mold us into your image, that we would teach things that we're uncomfortable with. Like, Lord, that we would handle the tongues well. Lord, you know it's hard, to, it's difficult to teach on things I have zero experience with. But it doesn't make it any different that your word says it's existing. And so this old Baptist Catholic boy is trying to figure this out, Lord, and so I need your help as well. I continue to walk with me in this. Like, Lord, let us love each other. Let's continue to grow in spirit and power just like Jesus did. Father, I would ask in the name of your son that you would allow us to see a movement. Like I know that that's just language. But Lord, I believe through the process of disciple making it can happen. So that we stand before you and you welcome us in that you would say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for shaking hands with the spirit. Thank you for cooperating Thank you for allowing me to form you in my image. Come in here and play. Father, we love you with all of our hearts. Let us learn to love your people with all of our hearts and love them well and push them, challenge them, and encourage them, Father, all how that works. Like, teach us that well. Like, I love to be the first person to say, I have no idea what I'm doing, but it sure is fun following you as we figure it out. So, Lord, I would ask the same for all these men and women, that we don't got to know it all. We just shake hands and we move forward and do the next thing. Father, I love you with all of my heart. I thank you for this body of believers. Thank you for the flock. Thank you for the responsibility. Thank you for Brandon Dawkins and the many that will follow him and the many that come before him. And everyone in this house said,